You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast. I think we're up to episode 138 now and joining us, Peter and I that is, is a returning Richard Holberton. Hello Richard, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks Russell. And you? Excellent, brilliant. Yes, very good, thank you. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, all good. And we have a, another debutante on the show making his first appearance is our special guest. It's Mr. Kevin Markwick. Hi. How are you, Kevin? I'm good. Thank you very much for asking. Brilliant. Um, your bio, just so everyone, anyone that doesn't know who you are yes. does so, um, it says cinema owner, writer, mm-hmm. podcaster, idiot. Yeah. Now, I know one of those is probably wrong. Um, <laughs> I think the no, other they're all pretty are accurate, I have to say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's me, uh, cinema owner. I own the cinema in Uckfield, the picture house yeah. in Uckfield. Yeah, uh, it's been in the family for a long time. 1964, my dad took over, so Wonderful. I literally grew up in a cinema. Literally, that sounds pretty much like my idea of heaven being a massive <laughs> film fan. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm kind of used yeah. to it now, but yes, it's it's been quite a privileged upbringing in that regard. Yes. Great. Well, we'll find out. We'll certainly find out some something about that today. I think. Um, you, you, certainly, you've had a more colourful upbringing, and I think you've got a more colourful background than we have. I've got oh. a bland bedroom background. Peter's got, I think, is against a, just a black wall, a blind, mm-hmm. a bland wall, and Richard's got a little bit of furniture in the background. But you, Kevin, have bookshelves. You've got an alien poster, which I approve of very much. Yeah. The first uh-huh. one, slightly better than the uh, sequel, definitely. Uh, oh. Oh, I, th- I thought I'd see Controversial <laughs> there. I think Alien is as, almost as good as Alien, isn't it? Yeah, almost, almost. Okay. And, um, and some other excellent bits besides. So it's, yes. it's great to have you and your background with us. Um, superb. So as you are our guest, we, want, we wanted to um, find out more about you, first of all, then. If you can tell us, um, seeing as you are also on the colourful background um, theme wearing an Albion top where yes. to, to our shame none of us are but you I, are I, I was very surprised I, I thought it would be the minimum dress code would be that I had to wear <laughs> one of my Albion shirts I'm very disappointed I have to say well maybe it is for de- debutantes maybe that's the way it is oh okay uh yeah I don't know is it cool or uncool has the Albion kit ever been cool 
Oh, I don't know. It might be now. It's getting that way, isn't it? Yeah. With our flary brand of football. But you, I you quite like the season shirt. I know I'm probably out of step there, but I quite like, I quite like the season shirt, if I'm honest. Mm. I think it looks quite yeah. classy. Um, yeah, I don't I don't mind it either. So, no. yes, yeah, so obviously you're an Albion fan, as people would have gathered mm-hmm. by this point. Tell us about how that all started then, first of all. Oh, well, I'm from, you know, I've lived in Sussex my whole life. So Brighton's always been a, a thing motoring around in the background. I can't, I can't claim to have been a rabid fan all my life, mainly because um, football and me have been ploughed a rather lonely furrow. My father wasn't into it. My brothers weren't into it. Even my children aren't into it. So it's always something I've had to do on my own. But I've been a season ticket holder now at the Amex for 10 years. So the first game I actually went to was... Um, I can't, you know, I tried to earlier, before I came on, I tried to find the exact date. There must be a repository of all Albion um, fixtures somewhere, but I can't find it. It was in the early 70s at the Goldstone Ground and um, Preston North End. And I seem to remember there were two penalties and it ended (laughs) nil-nil, which sounds about right for Brighton. But, uh, you know, so I'm not sure exactly when that was. That must have been the, the early 70s, but... Yeah, it's it's. I've been going since we've been at the Amex every season. So, um, you know, all the ups and downs and all the rest of it. So, and it's one of those things, isn't it? It's kind of annoying. And Danny Baker famously said he kind of feels sorry for people who don't know the exquisite pain of being a football fan, which I thought was quite a good way of putting it. It's horrible. And the, the, the more enthusiastic you get, the more horrible it gets. It's quite extraordinary. It really is. Well, I would... And it's great you are an Albion fan and you've stuck with it despite the lack of uh, yep. family interest elsewhere. <laughs> well, my daughter, um, actually, she, I've got her into it. She hates me for it. So, because okay, I bought, yeah. yeah, I bought a ticket for her as well. And we now go together and she just, why did you do this to me, Dad? Why? why? <laughs> Tough love. That's what <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm looking for, I've got a grandson now and he's only two and a half, but I'm looking forward to, what's the, what's the right age to take, take somebody for the first time to the football, do you think? Probably about two and a half, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Uh, probably, yeah, no, probably. I think most people commonly think around five or six for them to Is start it? to have some kind of absorption of what's going on. I, I, I think for me it was eight. Was um, it? I, and I still don't remember a great deal about it. So you, you, could, you may have a bit of time to play with. Oh, but you I definitely like need to indoctrinate him with uh, the kits, that's for sure. Yeah, you do. Yeah. My, my, my advice on that with Kevin would be don't leave it too late, especially if you've got relatives who support another club and oh, might, oh, get, right. okay. might get their claws into your kids earlier. <laughs> no, it's just <laughs> and me. And if uh, the other club is a more glamorous, successful club, supposedly, then it might be difficult to wean them off. Right. Well, that's, the only... my, that's been my experience. OK, anyway. I'll bear that in mind. Because my, my father wasn't, my dad wasn't into football at all. The only, the, only, the only way he was into football was he did the football pools. He was absolutely mad on doing the football pools. Is that even a thing anymore, the football pools? I don't know. Mm, good question, actually. Yeah, but my mum used to do it. Yeah, yeah. but he, was, he, was, he used to sit, I think it was a Wednesday or something, wasn't it, when the form guide would come out in the, uh, in the newspapers. And he would sit and he, he was very good at math. So he would sit and work out the probability of And he bought these really expensive perms, they were called, these permutations you could buy. Yeah, and 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 he did all right. He used to win quite often. He had no clue what he was. You know, he didn't look at it and go, "Well, it looks like Arsenal will beat Villa this." You know, this, no, he had no idea about that at all. He just went on the statistically, you know, they're due a draw or they're. I don't know, but that that's the only the only the only way I came into contact with football with my family. So, 
but I was, yeah, I was pretty um, into it. It's 1970 World Cup was my sort of first, you know. Oh, I'm jealous. That was a great, great tournament, wasn't it? I think it was. Um, it was the first time I ever watched football with blokes. We were on holiday. Hmm. I was, I was uh, eight years old, and I was in. Um, we went on holiday to Butlins in Barry Island, and we went. <laughs> we went to the. All the um, glamour. <laughs> oh yeah, it was always lovely. It was, and we. I, I managed to get to the um, TV room, and it was the uh, England West Germany quarter final, when. Um, Ramsey famously took, um, uh, you know, um, oh, the two guys, you know, our two best players, um, um, Moore, uh, Bobby Moore and, and um, Charlton. Yes, Bobby Charlton. He took them both <laughs> off at half time because we were 2 0 up. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Famously, we lost 3 2, and that was the end of that. So I've oh. lived with disappointment for a long, long time. Yeah, that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it used to. It was. It was a good grounding for the album, wasn't it? It really? was. No, it absolutely was. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, for this season, almost because it, England fame, I, I think, sort of repeatedly had their best team in nineteen seventy rather than sixty six. That, and that's, that's what they that's say. Probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably true of Albion now. We've had a, maybe our best team ever at the moment, but we're still not, still not mm. achieving what we should be. No. I think uh, for various reasons, mm. some of which we'll we'll get into as a typical example mm-hmm. from the uh, for the weekend match. A bit later on, um, yeah. So Albion fan all the way through. Your season ticket holder then. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where, where's your season ticket? I think West End like Lower. West, lower. Mm. West End Lower. Just in, just yeah. by the penalty spot. Oh yeah, which end? So, sorry, which, which end? South or North End? West uh, End Lower. Oh, the South End. Sorry, yeah, the South. Oh, end. okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's craning your neck in the second half mostly. <laughs> to see what's going on because oh, yeah. they tend to go that way don't they first is there a reason for that I don't know is there a reason why Albion t- tend to attack the south stand first does anybody uh, know I think the it's just to attack the home end isn't it it's the, you know, the main supporter of protection the loudest supporter yeah. right yeah okay. suck the ball into the net second half when yeah. we need the goals I guess <laughs> yeah which of course could happen the other way around as well the away fans spreading across such a fast part of the south no. stand being a yeah, it's the same for both, isn't it? Behind the goal, I always think we should have them down the side a bit, and or on a corner rather than you know as much as you can, because I yeah. think behind the goal to me is an advantage. And mm. you, yeah, you could actually have both both ends, or at least behind the goal, we should be home fans. Mm. I think also we should build a temporary stand when Newcastle come and have them elevated four hundred yards up in the air, which is pretty <laughs> much what they do to us and everyone else. It's the only team <sighs> in the Premier League who are allowed to have no fans lower down, aren't they, or something weirdly? Mm. Like, yeah, they've got Premier League something. Now they got some sort of, you know, kind of exemption or something. Yeah, for some mm. reason to do with the, with the segregation, I guess, or the logistics. Mm. But yeah, there we go. So anyway, so that's your Albion background, there, mm-hmm. Kevin. So you're an Arden fan. You've been through all the pain. You've you've, you've been a fan longer than I have. So you you certainly oh. must have felt the pain because I I started okay. in '79, and okay. um, yes, it's it's all gone yeah. downhill actually since then, hasn't it? Really. <laughs> Until the it's last been good bits and bad bits. It's been a lot of highs as well, to be fair. True, true, yeah. Yeah, there has been some. Yeah, there's been some. And hopefully more to come. Mm. Um, we'll ask your opinions on Graham and, and the way forward uh, a bit later as well. But let's get into the cinema stuff next. So mm-hmm. you're, you've been running the cinema, been in the family since the 60s, you said. Yeah. Um, tell us about the Uckfield Picture House. I've never been. Have you I've listened. I've listened to it. I've heard all about it. Oh, because you pop on from time to time on Radio 4's film programme, which I listen yep. to as a podcast, recommend it, very good, um, for your input into the cinema industry, obviously from your, your side of it. 
Yep. Um, usually with somebody else whose name escapes me at the moment. I think she's a programmer, isn't she? I can't remember her name. Uh, well, I mean, I've been a regular on the show for about 10 years now. So, yeah. um, mm. but the last year or so, I've been doing a, um, a diary for them. Uh, oh, audio yeah. diary that I've been sending. To do the in. lockdown. Mm. Yeah. And actually, they came down last week and recorded a show from the cinema in Upfield, which will go out on Thursday of uh, the Thursday before the 17th of May when we reopen again after, oh, great. The, after the lockdown. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, we've been here for, um, well, my dad was, uh, he actually started as a, a rewind boy in, um, in Eastbourne, uh, 1947 at the Picture Drome in Eastbourne, which is now, uh, is now, well, was the Curzon. <laughs> it's now empty and closed and everything else. Mm. But, um, and so he always wanted his own cinema. And then in 1964, when I was, well, coming up two years old, he managed to get hold of the, the cinema in Upfield. So I, I literally grew up in the cinema. It was kind of uh, on the, in the cards that it was uh, going to go that way. But yeah, so but he died in 1994. So I've been doing it now for a long time on my own. Fact, you have, almost as long as he did. Hmm? Does the cinema have a cat as well? Because I, I, that seems to no. be a bit of a tradition in some. No, it doesn't. No, <laughs> I can be a bit yeah. of a pussy, but that's about all. Because <laughs> I, I worked in cinemas a little bit part time, just um, supplementing incomes. Okay. Um, I, I was did a uni course in film down in Southampton, so I worked at the Harbour Lights Picture House down oh, okay. there. Okay. Yeah. Um, Harbour Lights Cinema, as it was called then. Yes. Um, this before they got the taken over, and um, I also worked briefly at the Curzon in Soho. And they ah. have a cat, would you believe? Right yeah, slap bang in the middle of central London. Yeah. I don't know if they still do, but they've, they've had cats. I, well, think, um, I think they're mice catchers, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially around in that area, there's lots of lots of rats and mice. And because um, that one at the top of Shaftesbury Avenue, yeah, that would have a lot. And also with the, because they're always, um, you know, working on the underground underneath and it disturbs all the, all the rodents and everything. So, uh, I mean, yeah. the worst one was the old um, Cine World, Leicester Square not the Empire the one that became Picture House Central mm. um I've sat in there when it was an MGM and a Canon and a whatever and and you know rats running across your blinking feet while you're sitting watching the film it's horrible <laughs> but I don't think they have that now fortunately but you know it's yeah. been a tough year obviously for us because we've been mostly closed yeah but yeah um, it's cinema through and through that's me I'm afraid it's great I mean the, the... The podcasts have been very interesting, those those ones on Radio 4, the mm-hmm. film programme, because, it, I mean, it's it's been documenting how it's been trying to yep. deal with lockdown, as you said. Very tough, I mean, quite heartbreaking, some of it, in terms of trying to get yeah. things going. Mm. Um, to describe this, your cinema, you will programme in certain um, top dollar sort of films, won't you, that will attract the crowd. So I think you had the Bond film was going to was the yeah. Bone yeah. of contention, wasn't it, with the re-release? Yeah, sorry, well, the, the, the bond was due out April last year, and then it was put mm. back, and uh, then it was due October or end of October, and then they put it back again. And the thing yeah. is, Eon, who make the Bond movies, I think they've got some kind of inside information because they, to be fair to them, they got the decision right. I mean, I was absolutely heartbroken when when they moved it in November uh, mm. or the end of October, but they were absolutely right because cinemas then closed for you know in November. So to be fair to them, they got it right. I don't, I don't know whether they got some inside information that we didn't have but uh and it's now due the end of september this year and that's huge for us it's our it's our kind of thing the bond it's it's how can i explain we're sort of upmarket mainstream 
we play mostly mainstream pictures, but they tend to be a bit upmarket. You know, if your mum wants to see it, then uh, uh, we're going to do very well with it. <laughs> not so much, not so much Fast and Furious is not really our thing. If it was Fast and Furious goes to India and has a nice cup of tea with Judy Dench, then we'd be, we'd be putting it in, <laughs> taking a lot of money with it. But you know, so I mean, our biggest film of all time is The King's Speech. That sort of tells you where we are, really. That yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Doesn't mean we don't do ask, well with other stuff, but you know. no, no, that's right. But I was going to ask you to describe for anyone that doesn't know Uckfield or, mm-hmm. or the cinema and do the cinema how to explain. It. But I think you just have done with. Oh right, okay. Well, Judy Dench yeah. comments. <laughs> There's only one if oh. in Uckfield. We always say. Yeah. <laughs> actually, it's actually um, it was it was so good. I, I tried to get the Chamber of Commerce to use this as our slogan. So good, Lord Lucan never left, but they didn't seem to think that was a good idea. It was actually the last place he was seen alive, and of course. Well, that now doesn't mean anything, you know. As as the years have gone on, that joke gets weaker. I mean, it was already pretty weak, but you know, as, it, as it's gone on over the years, it's got weaker and weaker and weaker because nobody remembers <laughs> Lord Lucan anymore. So he'd be like 110 yeah. or something, wouldn't he? I don't know. He probably would be, I suppose, around yeah. now. I, I think it's safe <laughs> to say whatever did happen to him is, is already fully happened. It's already him. fully happened to him. But <laughs> you know, we're sort of between. I mean, because I don't know, Brighton people, the Brighton, Brighton. Uh, you don't really come out of Brighton, do you? As a thing, it's not that you don't need to go anywhere else. So I guess going to Upfield is not a, not a thing that happens. Not that that doesn't mean your listenership doesn't go far and wide, but uh, hmm. um, yeah, we're sort of between uh, Brighton and Tunbridge Wells, aren't we? We're on that on the on the bus route between Brighton and Tunbridge Wells, exactly halfway. Hmm. Yeah, and I should explain actually. Um, we're as it happens, all three of us are based outside of Brighton we're around, right. we're in London thereabouts um oh right. I'm in en- okay. Enfield North London Peter oh. is originally from North London his dad's a Brighton family He's, he was born and brought up but you're now in uh South London are you Peter yeah Charlton South East yeah oh, okay. and Richard is on the periphery somewhere describe where you are Richard well now at the moment I mean I live in Guildford but I I grew up in Burgess Hill and oh, okay um well, that's so, that's actually technically the, that was always the closest cinema to us, Burgess Hill. Yeah, well, is that right? Okay, I, but, but it's I'm... really funny though because there's no, there seems little traffic between West and East Sussex like that. Even though yeah. we're really close, it, it, it's sort of like the border seems to stop people moving across it. It's really yeah, weird. and a lot, a lot, a lot of traffic kind of goes in a north-south direction. So mm. if you live in Mid Sussex, you go mm. to Crawley or you go to Brighton. Yeah, because it, it's easier for train links and road links for that matter. Yeah, um, so. I have to. I'm ashamed to say I've never been to um, the Upfield Picture House, but well, I will after the house when it and, reopens. Um, yeah, you should all come and visit. Definitely, we could do a little Jolly Boys outing, couldn't we? Yeah. A podcast outing. <laughs> I'd, I'd have to bring my wife along because she, she listens to the podcast, uh, the film po- program podcast with me, and she's kind of, yeah, she was cringing as well with what you're having to go through with the way right. the cinema industry was as well. And you were talking about how you were setting up, um, just to explain a bit more about your cinema, as I'm sure you will in a moment, um, mm-hmm. the fact that you've got food going on as well next door, I yeah. think it is, isn't it? So yeah, we have a, a restaurant set yeah. up around that. Yeah, my wife we, a... we want to do that too. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, my wife's a very good chef, although, you know, we're busy enough that she doesn't have to actually cook the food herself anymore. But um, yeah, so we had we have the restaurant over the road, which works really well because we can do deals, you know, and combine the restaurant and the cinema and make a complete night out at the whole thing. Um, and we do events in there, you know, we'll have Rocket Man night and James Bond night and all these kind of things, themed evenings. And but the restaurant actually will it does um, stand on its own two feet. You know, if you cut the cinema off, the restaurant would still operate and vice versa. So that's quite good. And actually. Whilst I liked the idea of having, you know, or it would be better if the restaurant was in the cinema, but actually I'm not so sure now. I think 
it's almost like its own little Disneyland. You know, you can go to this restaurant and then potter over the road to the cinema, and it makes it, it makes it feel like a really a really good night out. Hmm. Excellent. I'm, I'm looking forward to going. Actually, I've yeah. been keen to go. I don't think I'd ever been to Uckfield per se. I think my mum used know. to do. I think she used to do deliveries. You know, um, one of the advertiser or uh, one of the weekends, but the Friday ads or something. She she did oh, something like that where you, she was driving and delivering the papers to the local shops. And I'm pretty sure we went to Uckfield through doing that when I was helping yeah. out on my off school time. Um, but well, Friday ad was, that... a, was an Uckfield based enterprise. It became enormous oh. for a while. It was the Uckfield Press. They started. It was a little shop in Uckfield that I used to go to when I was a kid and buy pens. You know, on the way to school and tiny little pokey shop called the upfield press and then they they created this thing called the friday ad and in the i would say mid early to mid 80s it became monstrously huge you know people would sort of fight for the first copy of the friday or they'd go around the shops where they were delivered on a thursday night and break in and try and find the friday ad it was bizarre i mean obviously print advertising unfortunately for print advertisers out there is uh now pretty much pointless but uh for a while there, it was massive, and they they grew all over the country. Actually, yeah, that started yeah. in little old Duckfield. Yeah. And just a quick final word on the cinema itself. Mm-hmm. So just to clarify, of course, you've got the, the picture house chain that kicks around around the country, <laughs> but you are just an independent cinema yeah. that's got just got the same name yeah. or part, part of the same name. Yeah, just yeah, to I mean, clarify for ha- anyone that wasn't sure, picture house is a. Um, sort of generic cinema name really you know like yeah. empire or roxy mm. or or bijou or something like that it's a it's yeah. a you know you can't actually uh trademark it because it's it's there are there are hundreds of them i mean hmm. there's the picture house chain which is actually one word picture house we are three words the picture house and it's actually chiseled on the side of the building if you look it up on the internet you can see and um you know and there are lots of other picture houses that are not picture house you know Hyde Park picture house and all sorts of all over the country so it's a sort of generic cinema name really but it was built in 1916 so it's very old 105 years is it my CSE maths lets me down endlessly Um, (laughs) my CSE grade two wasn't even a grade one Um, and uh, so yes we did our centenary celebrations in 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 in, you know five years ago which is great fun But it was, yeah, I mean, it's one of the oldest cinemas in the country. There's not many. There's, I think, Duke York. And Brighton, the Dome is Dome's old as well in Worthing, my home, original hometown. Yeah, yeah. But that well. wasn't originally a cinema, was it? It wasn't built as yeah. a cinema. Yeah, it was a roller, roller skating Well, it was originally a dining it? hall. It was a dining hall. That's what it was hmm. when it was built. And then they turned it into a skating rink, didn't they? Hmm. But it's, 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 a, it's a, you know, massively... Uh, complex building that one it leaks like a sieve and <laughs> mm. i was uh, i was a trustee of that for a while at the yeah, so... mining, and it, it you know it cost millions just to stop the sea water getting in you know the, the yeah. rain getting they, in they had lots of fights to keep it preserved as well didn't they yeah. in terms of that for usage and yeah famously wish you were here there was some scenes filmed there yep. and i think Fine film. With stranger as well there's uh, the dames in the background and dance with the stranger is it the yes seaside. yeah we did well so yeah, oh, <laughs> it was a good film. No, it was a good yeah, film. Yeah, it was a good film. It was a good and, film. Yeah. Um, uh, it was about Ruth Ellis, wasn't it? Mm. The last woman hanged in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Check it out subject. if you haven't, guys. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's a lovely, <laughs> lovely cheery film. <laughs> Directed by Mike Newell. Would you believe? There you go. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And 
actually for Sussex has got a rich history with cinema, hasn't it? Um, Shoreham and I think Brighton mm-hmm. as well yep. um, had some of the earliest films. It was. There was a film studio in Shoreham, wasn't there? Very early silent mm-hmm. films. Uh, mm-hmm. And actually, uh, University uh, Bright, well, Bright, um, the University of Sussex has got a very good archive. Frank Gray down there has done brilliant work uh, documenting mm-hmm. all that stuff. Okay. Really, really interesting. Really at the forefront of, of of cinema, actually, the history of cinema. Problem being, of course, it rains most of the time, which is why in the end, you know, it moved to Hollywood instead yeah. because it's sunny and nice. Yeah. The weather, it's, it's predictability there is um, is the winner, isn't it? And it's brightness. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, New York and, 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 and New York was where they also started. But then again, they moved away because of... Um, they were being uh, hounded by, um, you know, Eastman. Uh, mm. And uh, so they, they moved all the way to the other side of America to get away from, because they would come and beat people up on the film sets if they were using their patented cameras and things like that. It was a, oh, it's a big story, but yeah. a long, long, long story. But yes, <laughs> it, it, Sussex definitely is, is right at the beginning of film history. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's great stuff. And in terms of your, your films, I mean, if anyone asks me what my favourite film is, it usually ends up in three figures lists. Um, yeah, I just can't narrow it. There's yeah. so many good films. Most films aren't good, but they're <laughs> still gargantuan numbers that are. That's, that's the way I look at it. Um, well, but have you got any particular, uh, any, any favourites yourself? Of course. Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, well, I've got my alien poster behind me, which is uh, one of my favourite pictures. Um, I, I tend to have a list that I go to when people, because I get, I do get asked this question a fair amount. So, yeah, sorry say, for the predictability. No, 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 that's fine. <laughs> I have that's to fine. ask. No, 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 but I have to have it ready. So, <laughs> it's, it's, um, I'm a, a 2001 a Space Odyssey is, is probably up there as one of my well, most favorite films. Um, I'm a big fan of 70s American cinema, that sort of flowering of the directors in the 70s when Hollywood sort of let its guard down for five minutes. And all those people got under the radar, like, um, you know, um, Ashby, Scorsese, um, Scorsese and Coppola mm. and all those people. So I'm a big Hal Ashby fan, Harold and Maud, um, Coming Home, Being There, uh, his mm. films. Yeah. Um, and Five Easy Pieces is always in my top five. Brazil, Terry Gilliam's film. Um, I like... Uh, performance. I'm a big fan of Nick Rogue, Man Who Fell to Earth, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, Don't Look Now, scariest film ever made, I reckon. Yes, yes. Don't Um, mention the ending. (laughs) No, no, it is. I I honestly think it's still one of the most terrifying films ever made because he's kind of makes my skin crawl. Mm. Yeah, and you look back on it, oh my god, that was that. Oh, oh, that's really scary. Um, You know, and uh, more recently, I don't know, really. Jaws has always been a, a big influence on me. Yeah. Um, and I was a bit weird. I was a bit into Woody Allen as a teenager, which is a bit odd. I and was, he, actually. I think, I think I was. Well, it didn't make any sense to me, because I remember going to see Annie Hall when it came out in 1977. And um, we went on a school trip, actually, funnily enough. And, you know, I was besotted with this film. And it's only in more recent years I've thought, hang on a minute, I'm not Jewish. I'm not from New York at the time. I didn't know one end of a lady person from another. <laughs> this is a film about relationships in middle-aged men, Jewish men. What the hell do I know? I didn't know any of that stuff at all, but somehow 
it stayed with me as as one of my favorite i think it it made me feel smart that i understood some of it i think that's probably why i responded to it so all the kids at school were you know um goofing off about star wars and i loved danny hall so i was just a weird kid at school and i suppose that's the film equivalent Hmm? yeah that's great i mean i was gonna say it's probably the film equivalent of um a kid who's got a pet snake rather than just a pet dog, isn't it? Really, it's trying trying Possibly. to be interesting. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. I like, you know, I like um, Pedro Moldavar. It's all, mm. you know. I'm not trying to show off or anything. Honestly, these are genuinely my favourite films. <laughs> but I don't care what it is. I mean, I've seen so many films now, and we, we have to see so many films. That actually, I tend to feel that if if I get halfway through a film and I can't work out how it's going to play out, it wins. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. I think, oh, I have no, I have no idea how this is going to end. Brilliant. Somebody, mm. somebody reminded me the other day. I can't remember which Woody Allen film it was in. It might have been Manhattan, but there was it, the line where he was, um, he, he was with his partner on in a taxi on the way to a date somewhere, and he said uh, he uttered the immortal line, "Darling, you look so stunning tonight. I can hardly keep my eyes on the meter." Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh there's some great. I, I mean, thought it was Annie... a brilliant line. <laughs> And yeah, Annie Hall is full of great lines, you know. That's um, a great film. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, he's. I mean, he's he's fallen out of favour a little bit. And Manhattan's a bit tricky. Mm. It's kind of got that slightly icky plot mm. with the the young girl in it, which is a bit worrying. But Annie Hall is, uh, I think, probably his masterpiece. Um, mm. But you know, I just I just love sitting in the cinema. It's the best thing ever. You know, it's safe in there, isn't it? You don't have to worry about anything else. I noticed you got you got you got Nomadland. I've been on your website. All oh, right, yeah. I noticed you got Nomadland coming out when uh, yes, we when have, the cinema yeah. reopens, which I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, it's very good. It's an unlikely Oscar winner. I mean, I don't think in a normal year it would have got a look in, but um, not because it's a bad film, but because it's actually quite art house. Um, yeah. And the Oscars tend to sort of like something more um, more with a bit of a sheen to it. Whereas yeah. this is a you know quite uh, quite art housey quite which, which lends itself to, um, to to cinema exhibition doesn't it going on the bigger screens I yeah. think less of those kind of sheeny films have been released mm. a lot's been held back or simply not made in fact even or fit it completed that yeah well so. I, we were quite, I mean initially we were quite um, cross with the studios the way they were letting stuff go to streaming so quickly after mm. the you know they within decent haste after lockdown was announced, you know, suddenly these things are popping up on Amazon Prime or Netflix or Disney Plus. But actually, when you look at the statistics, nearly 85% of their product, they've held back. So it does make you think that actually quite a lot of the stuff they put out there was stuff they weren't really that enamored about anyway, you know, sort of a bit of a dumping ground. Because, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, I would say that, wouldn't I? But, you know, there's been, a, I mean, how many great films have come out on streaming in the last 12 months? Not many. Not really great movies that you would, you know. I mean, if you like Godzilla, big things hitting each other, maybe that would have done okay in the cinema. But, um, you know, I think probably the good. I mean, it's it's been a, been a yeah. Anyway, yeah. I was going to say the good news is, and and the timing for bringing you on now is because we're we're recording this on Monday the tenth. Yeah. Next Monday the seventeenth is the big opening reopening yes, day, is. isn't it? When yes, cinemas, it is. amongst other things, are allowed to to reopen. Um, so you must be looking forward, and you must be relieved about yeah. <laughs> that circumstance. It is. It's it is a big relief. I mean, we're reduced capacity, but that's a start. So move in the right direction. Um, we can actually start bringing some income in. Uh, we've been having some income from the restaurant. We've been doing takeaway and delivery. In fact, that's what I've been mm. doing for the last four months. 
I've been uh, taken. I've been pizza delivery boy <laughs> at the restaurant from Cinema of the Year 2018 to pizza yes. delivery boy in one pound. Um, so uh, yeah, no, we're looking forward to it. It's, it's surprisingly hard work actually bringing everything back to life. You know, you got to make sure the equipment works, the picture and sound are tip top. You know, make sure the popcorn's not too chewy after being in a box for eight months. No, we're getting new popcorn, <laughs> really. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's quite a lot of work bringing it all back to life. But yes, we're, it's a big relief, a big, big relief. I mean, uh, is it going? Oh, I can't imagine we going to a lockdown again, will we, after this? Please say no. Well, I hope not. Yeah. No. I mean, this, this restart, I'm assuming as far as cinema going conditions are concerned, it's pretty similar to the the opening between the lockdowns, isn't it? In terms of the uh, protocols. Yeah, and I think we're meter numbers. plus, which means we can sort of get away with a meter and yeah. um, 50% capacity, kind of more than half capacity. You know, a lot of it isn't so much about the rules, which will change over time. It's about how confident people feel. I mean, you know, they could they could unlock us completely tomorrow and say, right, all bets are off. Go around and look in everyone's face. You can all sit close together. But it's 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 as much about what people feel confident they want to do as anything else. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me. I don't care. I've been vaccinated. I'll go and sit next to anybody. But um, you know, there are some people out there that are still not going to be confident to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, in time, they will. But um, I think initially people would be a teeny bit tentative. So we have to be we have to be mindful of that, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's plenty of um, fare to get your teeth into by the, by the sound yeah, of, it, lots of these product. holdbacks. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. most of it's pretty big mainstream stuff, you know, Top Gun and uh, Fast and Furious and stuff like that. For us, hmm. Bond will be the real starting gun. That's going to be massive. Bond for us is always twice as big as everything else. I mean, everyone does well with the Bond, but we do exceptionally well with it. Um, so that'll run. That'll be on all screens for weeks, I think. And then uh, over Christmas, we should be okay. West Side Story, I fancy to do all right. You know, there's quite The Father will do all right. The film that just won Anthony Hopkins, the Oscar. Hmm. Bit of a downer, but it's a very good film. Very good film. I think this wow. is the thing. The opinion seems to be that this sort of dumb and i use it in inverted commas i don't use it pejoratively but what i mean is that these big movies are probably going to do well because people just want to go and have some entertainment you know check your brain in at the door and and not worry too much and just enjoy the big explosions and mucking about that's going to go on great (laughs) i know i'll be i'll be straight in there for cinema as soon as we can i'm looking forward to that well um we'll probably break our first part there um, and in part two, we're going to discuss what's just happened at the weekend with the football. So we'll be back with that after this short break. So we're back with part two. Now it's time to talk about Albion's latest disappointing defeat. Yes, we're back on track with, with our frustrating uh, zero points tallies. Um, the Wolves game of the weekend, we had the lead. We ended up losing 2-1. Um, pretty disappointing all round, guys, wasn't it? Um, I mean, Peter, first of all, what was your take on it and summary of the game as a whole? I think it's, as, as we've said so often this season, um, yeah, basically, should have needed the second goal when we were on top. Um, yeah, there was wrong decisions from our players. Obviously, Dunkey getting sent off probably was the wrong thing to do. 
Um, there is a refereeing decision that I'm still confused by about how on earth Dan Byrne wasn't given a penalty. I mean, the guy's not even trying to go near the ball. He's basically wrestled him to the ground and VAR doesn't give that as a clear and obvious error. It's like, I don't, I don't get that. But how is Lamptey the penalty against Palace when he supposedly fouls Batshuayi and that's not a penalty? It makes zero, the whole thing makes zero sense, but I'm sure we'll go into that in more detail in a bit. Um, but we were our, our own down, 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 you know, undoing in the end. And Buddy Traore has two good games, I think, all season, and both of them are against us. <laughs> I don't think he's done anything all season, but certainly since him and his injury, which is why he didn't even start yesterday. And he chooses for both games against us to have his absolute best games of the season. And it's like, <laughs> which is a little bit annoying, but. As it happened, I think Wolves' tactics worked out really well because they kept a few of their more experienced players back. And in the end, that meant they came on fresh and we went down to 10 men and they could actually run at us and cause us more problems, which was then, obviously, it's quite fortunate in that sense for them. They didn't know that was going to happen, but it worked out quite well that Traore could come on with fresh legs for half an hour when we'd just been reduced to 10 men. Yeah. Would you go along with that, Richard? Um, Would you say the same? Yeah, I, yeah. in the interest of full disclosure, I have to say I haven't watched the entire match because uh, I was out at the time. I got back with about 10 minutes to go. So um, hmm. I saw I saw Wolves' winner. And, it's your fault. Yeah, it's entirely <laughs> my fault. Yeah, I, I take full responsibility for what happened. Um, so, yeah, I saw Wolves' winner in the little fracas at the end and not much else. So, But, yeah, um, I mean, I've seen the highlights, if that's the right word. Um yeah, I mean, it was as you said earlier, Russ, it was sort of the season in microcosm, wasn't it? You know, take the lead, dominate most of the first half, but you're only one goal up and still, therefore, slightly vulnerable. Um, you know, movie metaphor. We've seen this film countless times before, haven't we? Right, yeah. Going only 1-0 up at half-time, the opponent comes out stronger and, you know, who knows what would have happened if we'd stayed at 11 men. But, yeah, uh, the sending off clearly changed the whole the whole dynamic of the game. Um, so, I, you know, I, by the end of the game, I was sort of somewhere between an indifferent shrug and mildly irritated because, I, I, you know, I don't think it changes the, the... It doesn't change the calculation as far as, you know, whether we're safe or not. I can't see Fulham winning four games on the trot this year or any other year. Um, so it doesn't, you know, it, it, it doesn't change that materially, but you still want to... You want to finish the season strongly, and I think you know, when you're one nil up with 15 minutes left uh, or 14 minutes left, or whatever it was, and end up losing, there's always a frustration that goes with that. Um, Did it not seem to you like a self-fulfilling prophecy, though? That way, the pattern the match panned out. You know, as soon as Dunk went off, and you know, it almost you could just you, you could feel them just the, their attitude change completely. I mean. There's always this idea abroad, isn't there, that it's actually you often hear this in commentary or in analysis that it's oh sometimes it's more difficult to play against ten men, and that didn't seem at all. It's like Brighton just completely fell apart. It seemed to me they were just expecting it. That's what it seemed to me. Yeah, it really did entirely change the game, didn't it? I, I mm. mean, you could almost almost completely nail it to that exact moment. Um, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate that it happened. I think. Um, but the penalty, if we got that penalty and it had been converted and we're 2-0 up, maybe Dunk in that split second when he hasn't got time to think about it and it's on reflex doesn't actually do what he did, maybe. And then we've got a different game. But the fact that that is what happened, he did do that. And straight away it changed it. Uh, there was an awful lot of time, wasn't there? I think it was about 40 minutes plus stoppages to to run down. And 
yeah, it did seem an inevitability somehow that we ended up sort of initially conceding that was inevitable. And then the, the second goal, you, you can almost say this is actually going on the film theme again, mm-hmm. um, you know, a late twist in the plot. Um, it's actually probably a better analogy to mention Agatha Christie novels with, <laughs> with a twist at the end happening over and over again because we've conceded so many late goals. But um yeah, you know, if you're going to go down to 10 men, the one person you wouldn't want to lose and have to defend, you know, 11 v 10 is Dunk, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, I kind of agree with Kevin that I think there's a, um, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticise Dunk because he's been a colossus for, for, for us this season and previous seasons. But I think I agree with Peter, it probably in, in the moment, it probably was an error of judgment and mm-hmm. he might have been let, better off letting the guy go and, Take your chances. If he scores, yeah, he, I, if I he scores. If he scores, he scores. But yeah. that's very easy to say with hindsight. Um, I, I bet there's yeah. any guarantee he does score as well. You know, he's pretty raw, Fabio Silva. He's not like a, you know, a kind of it was Jimenez. If they, he was fit, I'd say almost certainly would have scored. But with yeah. Fabio Silva, I'm not convinced he would. And yeah, he's only scored one, one goal, one, isn't it? Eleven, and we we have a good chance of winning still, or at least getting a draw. Yeah. Mm. I think he's only he's only got one goal. I think. Um, as far, as far as I know, and actually, Dunk shouldn't have taken, been sent off really because he didn't actually because the player probably wouldn't have scored anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, based on who it was, yeah, <laughs> not denying a goal. Well, score. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Sanchez has been pretty tasty in goal, hasn't he? Or for the, for you yeah. know, for the season, and he's a big lad, and you know, he only had to stick a leg out in the right direction. I think but, it's a bit much to expect the referee to to work out the identity yeah. <laughs> of the striker and the probability of him scoring. VAR you know, can work it out. They can it, do their figures on VAR and do their maths. <laughs> yeah, even a referee never... as, good as, as good as John Moss, right, Pete? The, the, yeah. other, the, other, the other thing that I, I... And I agree with you about the penalty. I mean, it's, it's odd that so little was made of that and on the coverage and the highlights and the yeah. reports. That I mean, you know, the BBC's highlights package on its website that incident wasn't even shown. Yeah. Uh, wow. And it, it's just, it's just odd that, um, yeah, you know, at the very, I mean, it must've been the subject of a, of a review, right? Cause it was an incident. I think everything's reviewed. An, yeah. I think everything's reviewed, but it wasn't really widely commented on or, oh. or remarked upon. And I can't really work out why the other point that, uh, uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to criticize individual players, but I thought, well, I am, I suppose a bit, but I, I, I thought that, um, Moda uh, when, for their for their goal for their, for their winning goal. I don't think he will want to see that again. I thought they they got that that initial cross was delivered far too easily, and once you get the ball into that area, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, we, we were a little unlucky, but it was a good block in there initially, yeah. and it fell right back to him. Yeah, I mean, every, everything kind of went their way really at the end. In a way, I didn't think they deserved. I mean, I, I know that the, the um, XG suggested they deserved to win, but I didn't think Wolves did really. They didn't create an awful lot. Of, they, had, they missed an absolute sitter just before that that got the second goal. But other than that, really, considering they had eleven uh, an extra man for like thirty-five minutes, I thought they looked pretty average. Yeah, I think a draw would have been about right based on the circumstances as they unfolded. Um, but. Yeah, and, and yeah, they were a bit lucky with that winner in terms of, I think a couple of times it, it gravitated back to the Wolves player and they were able to, okay, a good finish in the end, as was Triori's actually for the equaliser. Yeah, that one frustrated really... in a way, because I think there's four player, Albion players around when they did that one-two mm. in the area and we shouldn't be letting them, it's not like we were stretched because we had a man down, we had four players in that that patch and he managed to do a really short, I think it was with Fabio Silva, a really kind of very, mm. very narrow kind of one-two and poke it home, and really someone should have got their foot in on that, I would have thought, at some point. Hmm. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, it was a very quick, quick move. I mean, it was very sharp, and he did take the shot. He got his, got it off his foot pretty quickly as well. So, hats off to them. I think it was a good goal from a Wolves point of view. But yes, maybe we could have done more with it. What we haven't mentioned, Dunk annoyingly was having a good game, not only for the fact in general, but uh, for the fact that he had put us in front. It was his goal, of course, from a corner from Pascal Gross, expertly delivered. He came in with the proverbial bullet header, although it did kind of go off the shoulder of the other guy, I think, in the end. But um, one of, I think, two or three threatening moments around there, wasn't there? Dunk, I think after that goal, looped one to the far post. It was just clipped over by Patricia. And then there was also Webster, albeit more towards the goalie, um, with a chance just a moment or two after that. Yeah. So we could have could have got up further ahead. And I think that's why I was wrestling Burn at the corner because they were so they literally couldn't deal with our set pieces at that point, which hmm. they're not very good at them because I mean it's not like we're deadly at set pieces. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I mean I'm going to come back to it again because I I literally don't understand what you what you have to do at a corner to give away a penalty if that's not a penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had no interest in the ball, no interest in playing the ball. He just literally wrestled Burn to the ground when he was trying to get there. Well, Kevin, rugby is the word that comes to my mind. I don't yeah, know absolutely. I mean, it was you. shocking. It was absolutely shocking. Mm. I mean, he, how that wasn't a penalty, I really don't know. I thought, and, and you know, actually, I have to be honest and say that um, I pretty much went into the kitchen in the last 10 minutes. I, I couldn't actually, st- I don't normally take the coward's way out, but I've kind of slightly, slightly, you know, I feel like we've been tortured this season with these last 10 minutes in games. Uh, and I think the um, the Palace game put put paid to me watching the last ten minutes when we're drawing <laughs> like that. And you know, well, actually, it wasn't even like that, was it? They weren't even attacking. It was just this absolute freak of a goal, really. Um, the 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 um, Benteke one, I mean. But yeah, um, yeah I, it was just disappointing. I just want you know, I just want to relax a bit. I just want to. You know, I want a bit of mid-table mediocrity, please, for at least half a season. I've, I've had enough of this stress. It, it uh, you know. But we don't, I think get, we don't get many of those, do we? I remember no. commenting after the Newcastle game how nice it was to spend the last 20 minutes of a match just sitting yeah. there completely relaxed, knowing yeah. that the points are in the bag and not worrying about what no. might happen. But it doesn't happen all that often. In fact, it happens hardly at all. But it kind of seemed to me, I mean, apart from the sort of general, you know, fatalistic feeling of being a football fan throughout the first half, which was, a, you know, pretty much a joy to watch, I thought. I thought the Albion played brilliantly, mostly. Um, as is usual, they should have made us, you know, put another goal in. But um, what was worrying me more was the way the BBC commentators were gushing about how good Brighton were. It was making <laughs> me very nervous. No, 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 stop, 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 stop. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, you can see why Potter's won, you know. He needs to be, you know... Considered for these bigger clubs and all the rest of it, I think, no, just shut up, will you? Because you're just going to put a kibosh on it. But I did see that some of the did, did you see the BBC analysis at half time? Yes, um, yeah. yeah, I thought it was actually quite. I thought that the point about Welbeck needs to be more selfish was actually a very good point that he quite often he has been slightly overplaying in the in, in the box rather than just you know turning towards goal. He, he seems to slightly turn away. He did that a few times in this game against Wolves. He turned the opposite direction. It seemed that he should turn. I don't know. I'm no expert, of course. But. No, but it's it's still, it's yeah, I, I think the analysis was good. There was plenty of coverage of us for once. And we had mm. a Brighton 
slanted yes. representative in the punditry team, didn't we? Which has made a nice yeah. change there after was, the last. There was that one Glenn Murray in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he is very good. He, he's very much a BBC yeah. guy, isn't he? He's been on a few yep. Five Live podcasts, um, I think on the 72 Plus show, which is the Football League thing they're doing on Fridays. But in, in general, he's popped up a fair few times. I think he's he, he fits the bill for the BBC. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got that polished kind of feel about him, actually. I think he's very good. Mm. And he certainly did right by us. I think he was, you know, he was, he was quite fair and balanced as well. I thought he was very um, fair, actually. Yeah, mm. I thought he was. I think, um, I think he um, he agreed with Peter's view that it should have been a penalty. And I, <laughs> I kind of agree. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, um, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you could say, well, he would say that, wouldn't he? But I, I mm. you know, I think in all seriousness, that is that is the one, you know, one of several areas where the use of the application of VAR needs to be mm. looked at. And I think there needs to be more transparency about the whole process in that kind of situation and where exactly the bar for a clear and obvious error lies and how much latitude is given to the decision that the on-field referee has just made, because it just seems very, very ambiguous and very messy Mm. and very inconsistently applied. Mm. Um, And, you know, there there is stuff because I looked at it this morning on the, Premier League's website, you know, buried in PDFs of about 15 pages long, explaining all of this. And when they first introduced it, it says there was a discussion among, I don't know, the the elite referees and the PGMOL and probably others about what constitutes a clear and obvious error. And there was no agreement or no consensus on (laughs) what that is and therefore how it should be policed. Um, So... (laughs) Maybe given that, it isn't surprising that you get big inconsistencies cropping up. But I think that from a from a fan's point of view, and it's pretty evident that players are confused, managers are confused, pundits are confused, and you get all sorts of anomalous decisions cropping up. And that was the latest one. Um, and it would be really helpful to know, well, you know, who adjudicates, who requests whether VAR should be used or not, what conversation goes on between the on-field official and the VAR official, and how do they get to the point of deciding that it wasn't a clear and obvious error to deny a penalty? Mm. All of well, that, I think, would be quite helpful. Mm. Well, again, against the backdrop of how we've had it this season, we've, as, to my mind, I've, I've kept account. It, things don't even themselves out. That's absolute rubbish. It never happens. Um, yeah, balance of probabilities is against that. Of that thing, as if it's a joke, because it does. Yeah. What happens is the teams at the top get more decisions to go for them. Yeah, exactly. And VAR is just another outlet to do that, isn't it? It's just yeah. another way of doing it. But, I mean, you look at the decisions. We had the Southampton penalty that went against us. That's one point gone. There's the there's the absolutely ridiculous penalty award for Palace in the earlier fixture between us. That's another two points, I think, gone there, as far as I'm concerned. Man United, don't get me started on that. Oh. I mean... But, uh, at least a draw in the home in, in the away game, and I think we we actually been robbed of victory in the home game, and that's just a few that we can list a load more. The only decisions I can think of that have gone our way, which were more questionable, was I think there was the Spurs, and we had one decision which clearly wasn't a goal for us, but then we were still outdone by bad decisions two to one in that match. Um, the Solly March thing with the foul of the penalty claim. That was that was borderline, but I think it was the right decision. And the Liverpool penalty that we were given uh, to get the equaliser in the Amex was, um, I mean, it's very soft in the, in the sense of was that really in the spirit of what penalties should be about? But under the letter of the law, it was correct. So mm. I don't really feel yeah. we've had anything and, back and the other way. One, we had a dreadful decision to send off Lamptey just before, which was yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, um, 
yeah, even if you did say the Solly March the Villa thing was wrong, which I don't think it was, but if it was, then yeah, even that's only even out. And against that, we've also we've squandered things as well. We've made mistakes and we've been a bit unlucky and and well, um, yeah, we've been outplayed in a couple of games, but generally we've given a good account of ourselves. And I think we're so many more points away from where we should be. For me, I was Peter and I were both in favour of our subject to how it panned out. A lot of people were against it from the off. I think both Peter and I are now in the camp and we're 100% against it in its current application. I, I think you'd agree with that, Peter. And, and we want to see it either removed or radically improved for next season because it's pointless just having an extension of the same level of bad decisions mm. that are currently going or have been going on before this season. Well, the fact um, is, to me, it's when you, when you look at the Lamptey one against Palace and you look at yesterday's, and you look at them both and you say, how on earth one person could look at both of those yeah. and decide that one of the two should be a penalty and it should be the Palace one? Yeah. It's beyond me. And yet, because of on-field decisions are given and they say it's not clear and obvious, so you're basically relying on the on-field referee still, effectively. So it's yeah. like, well, what's the point? You know, you're, you're not going to get the consistency. To me, it should be, is it a penalty or isn't it a penalty? If it's a penalty, even if it's like not as clear and obvious as they think, if it's 51% a penalty and it's not been given, it should be a penalty. It shouldn't be about what they shouldn't. It shouldn't matter what the referee has decided. It should be whether it's a penalty or not on average. Yeah. And Absolutely. Also the, the, the circumstances in which the on-field referee is asked to go and review it at the pitch side monitor seems very murky as well. Because mm. if he isn't, uh, as he wasn't in the burn incident, I don't think he wasn't. No, he yeah. wasn't. Then the decision to uphold the on-field decision is made by the VAR official. It's not the on-field official reviewing mm. in slow motion from different angles the decision that they've just made. So, again, you know, there's there's a lack of clarity over who's who has the ownership of that decision. It's not going yeah, away, though, is it? Those types of decisions. No, I'm, I mean, I'm... No, it's not going to go away. They're, I mean, they're, I'm, not, you know, they're going I'm to keep a, on with it. Yeah. yeah I mean, they've bought into that, it, haven't they? Now? Well, the, you know, I think... The, the principle, if you go back to the the principle, which is to improve the proportion of correct decisions and reduce the proportion of incorrect decisions or real howlers in certain mm-hmm. phases of the game, that's, a, that's as stated, that's a good objective. And I would sign up to that. Um, and every other major sport at top level uses technology in some form or another with a few teething problems here and there. But mm. so I'm not in the, you know, chuck it out. It's useless camp. But I do think that you know there needs to be significant tweaks made to how it's how it's used yeah. how it's explained um so do you just, think there are just too many baffling decisions that have been coming especially so it's meant to improve th- decision making sorry to interrupt oh, did, no, no, did do you think that for instance all goals should be checked for offside for instance do you think that's something that should continue because some of the decisions are you know like millimeters aren't they and in the normal run of play that that superb goal that was scored because you you imagine the striker's timing is run so perfectly was 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 a thing of beauty has now been ruled out because of a toenail yeah hmm. i think this is a, uh, that that's a that's a really tough area i mean i think i think in a way var's not not the culprit here per se it's hmm. just it's hmm. a it's it's you know shed light on something that wasn't previously visible to the naked eye at full speed right so hmm. if somebody's elbow or kneecap is offside Previously, they got they'd have got the benefit of the doubt. So yeah. now, but do you think don't. football is think... better for, for for making that decision 
to to check I'm, I'm every goal. Not, I'm not necessarily sure it is, and you know we can all think of decisions that have been made where someone's fingernail or their armpit yeah. or their toe has yeah. been offside, and you just think, yeah. well, usually Dan Burn, usually do, yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> including Dan <laughs> yeah. Burn. Um, and yeah, we're all we're all partisan fans, right? So if your team happens to get the benefit of that decision, you go, yeah, isn't that great? But actually, I don't think that that is improves the spectacle. I don't think it, it certainly doesn't improve the fan experience. Whether you no. you know when we get back into stadiums or on TV, it delays the game. And I think, I mean, the one that springs to mind there was one there was one in the Arsenal Fulham game the other week where the Arsenal I can't remember who it was, but the Arsenal player was given offside because he's he's his heel and part of his Achilles was offside and the rest of his body was onside. And I think, well, but that requires a modification of the rule. So, you know, strictly yeah. by the letter of the rule and its scrutiny by, by VAR, he's offside. But surely but should he, a goal be ruled out for that? I'm, I'm not convinced he, that it should. But if the on, you know, the on, if the pitch side linesman and the referee judge it to be onside, does it still need to be checked by VAR? That's kind of my my point. Well, the, the genie's out of the bottle, isn't it, really? You, mm. can't, un, you can't uninvent mm. the technology. You could decide not to use it or to use mm. it differently or to modify the rule. Mm. I think there are various suggestions think as to how the rule, rule needs... might be modified. Yeah, I mean, it needs to be, doesn't it? I think it does, yeah. have a time limit or a, or, a, yeah. or, or a replay limit. You know, it's like, if it's, it's clear and obvious, you should be able to see it in like three or four clips or whatever. You don't need to take three minutes over whatever goals is allowed should be disallowed or not. Yeah, or a challenge, as in tennis and other yeah. sports mm. like that, where you can have mm. the managers have the right to challenge, and they they won't want to squander it because you lose the challenge if it's wrong. Yeah, and and then maybe that would be a way to at least. I know yeah. there's possible no shenanigans people can play these. around with. Yeah, no one cared about these. It was the you know five yards offside when a linesman wasn't up. Yeah, the plate. The problem. yeah. never about. It's too scientific, okay. isn't it? It's too it's too over overbearing now. Yeah. I, think that I don't. As a person in the film business, what I don't understand is that if 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 you can be a toenail or an elbow offside, how I'm mean, sure lots of other people discuss this. I've not heard it discussed, but I'm sure it has been. How do you know that the frame you're looking at is when the ball actually left the player's foot? You know, at 24 frames a second, you know that that could go. You know, if it, if it was a thousand yeah. frames a second. Which they don't photograph it at. You could you could really make an accurate analysis of when the ball yeah. left. You know, if what I mean is, if we're if we're going down to those degrees of uh, of 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 um, the line, then you also need to look at the line the other way as well from when yeah. the ball left 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 the place. That's right. We we have mentioned that actually on the show, Kevin. It's mm. a really good point though, and it's about this sort of um, this balance of you. You're trying to use science, but as you said, the science isn't as exacting as they seem to be trying to be with their decision making they're they're scrutinizing the tiniest detail and as we said time limits can can, and other forms can rectify that issue um or just change the the parameters so at least there's more of an obvious thing because there's no advantage in a lot of these cases to the attacking player as you said if there's a heel offside they're probably facing the wrong way unless they've got very weird shaped body um or they're or they're turning or something or well, the arm, yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the Bamford against Palace. That was ridiculous. Yeah. You know, there's no advantage gained and it's spoiling the spectacle and it's spoiling the essence of football, yeah. and also which the, is the flow. The skill of the striker to bend their run, you know, hmm. is, is sort of rendered useless because, you know, with the best will in the world, you could not make your run that accurate. You just hmm. couldn't. 
So, you know, it rather makes a mockery of it in a way because pre-VAR, that would be a goal, no no question. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it just seems that... Um, it just seems such a shame. And of course, when you're in the stadium and you're jumping up and down like an idiot and then it goes, <laughs> so, so then, and you start, you start thinking, well, I'm not going to celebrate for the moment till we, we make sure yeah. that this is, this is a goal. So it sort of takes, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that, but it just, it just seems, seems a shame. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I mean, that's, that's the problem. We isn't it? In the end, don't we? I mean, mm. to be fair, Robin, who's been on the show was against it from the start for that pretty much that reason. The fact that mm. the goals are essentially, I think, wasn't he kind of, you know, it's about celebrating a goal, and you can't do that so much if you don't. If you have like X number of replays every time, yeah. yeah. And the more it's happened, the more we we we've both kind of come in line with what he thinks that it's, mm. it doesn't work. And I, I think offside, if they're going to keep it offside, they should make it daylight between the players, like it used to be, rather than like literally your toe can be offside. And then if it's slightly with fifty-fifty each way or something like that, you can say, well, you should you still were ahead of someone. I, I think there there, there are there are suggestions that have been raised and tabled i think at you know uefa or fifa or you know presumably the premier league as well as to along those kind of lines that somebody needs to be mm. predominantly offside or or maybe even a time limit in in, in looking mm. at it but I, I think there's and i hope something is changed there seems to be at least a recognition that something needs to be changed mm. how do they deal in, in other i mean i don't to be honest follow other sports that closely but well, your point about technology was interesting because mm. when you were talking about it, I was thinking, well, about D- the DRS system in cricket, right? So if, if somebody, if there's an LBW appeal yes. and the batsman is given not out, uh, the fielding team appeals and that gets reviewed on TV, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there is a benefit of the doubt to so the whatever the on-field decision is is presumed to be correct unless there is clear evidence from the technology that it isn't correct, mm. and there is a margin for error, which is about you know half the width of a cricket ball it seems to me so if the lbw appeal has been turned down then the technology shows that the ball would be just about grazing the stumps but not fully hitting them face on then the mm. on-field decision is upheld but you right. still keep but there's still a margin for error there because well. the techno- there's a recognition that the technology although the technology is helpful it's, it's not precise enough to, to, yeah, to say yeah, you know, the edge yeah. of the ball was grazing the edge of the stump therefore it's out yeah, but you do at least not lose a review now, which you used to do, if it is that close that it's umpire's call, which is yeah. a thing. Otherwise, yeah. it'd be, obviously, it's that close. It's kind of, you have the right to kind of yeah. question it. Still, at least yeah. there are some decisions that are still easy and clear-cut, right, Peter? Like, you know, yelling abuse in the face of a referee. At least that one's easy and doesn't require <laughs> technology to help the ref out. Yeah, so I was going to come to that. But right. one, one missing ingredient <laughs> from our match report is... Neil Morphe, of course, at the end of the game, after the final whistle. He's now the first player to in Premier League history to get a red card and give away a penalty in two different incidents after the final whistle. <laughs> <laughs> different games, of course. But, um, yeah, a great trivia question. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we don't know exactly what's happened. There's been accusations he might have called the ref a cheat, and obviously he might he may have sworn and or uh, as well. Um, whatever it was, I was a silly boy, isn't it, after the mm. game? You know, we've already had one red. We're already going to miss Dunk for probably two games because it's his second red. It's a single match offence, but it's uh, obviously because yeah. of the previous red. More pay. Um, I'm not sure. I've got a feeling it might be a couple of games for offences like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, exactly what we said, don't know. But whatever it is, the game's gone. It's, it's a waste because now he's not available for... 
the next game and maybe the next game. And that's... Am I allowed to do my long-awaited rant at Jonathan Moss now? Or Go on, <laughs> Go on Peter. <laughs> Fill your boots. I, um, yeah, I, I genuinely think Jonathan Moss is probably the worst referee in the Premier League. And it's it's interesting. There was a discussion, some, you know, some people online I saw discussing whether he's just not fit enough and he doesn't keep up with play well enough. Um, hmm. Whether that's true or not, I don't know Whether what it is. But he, he missed a number of clear fouls on Mopé in the second half, which I think is what he was angry yeah. about, including one where he's clearly shoved in the back and he didn't mm. score, for example. And there were a couple of others as well. I think one quite near the end when he thought he was being fouled. So that seems to be the, the cause of it. Obviously, the first yeah. time incident probably wasn't so much of an issue at that point. Or the penalty as well. And his past record. He's always been terrible, isn't he? Yeah, we, we all know what, he, yeah, what he's like. He's a bit... I remember having a real go at a Villa player and having like an argument after a game at one point. He's obviously a bit mm. temperamental. He shouldn't mm. have said something. I agree with that. I'm not going like, to say that he was in the right. But on the other hand, I think I, I genuinely think most referees just get on with it after the game and just walk off. You, know, you very rarely, for all the people that surround them and have a go at them, get someone getting sent off. Now, either, yes, he could have said something really terrible, but I think more likely it's that Mosfra had a bad game and was just pissed off, with, didn't want to deal with the kind of... So he told him to... So he sent him off. And I, I, I think Moss is probably the worst referee in the Premier League, which is some doing. Can I challenge a bit of that? Not, 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 not the general critique of whether Moss is a good referee or not, but I think in that specific instance, and I take the caveat that we don't actually know what was said, but I don't really think Mope has got a leg to stand on in that, in that specific incident. Um, it, you know, it, it, you said we don't know what, we don't know what was said, but there isn't there isn't a sport in the world where you can go up and confront a referee and unleash a stream of abuse or call him a expletive cheat or whatever he said and expect to stay on the pitch um mm. so i think taking that decision in isolation he was absolutely right and i think that there's a couple of interesting well one's a hypothetical conversation one's probably a real one i'd quite like to be a fly on the wall for if he if he hadn't sent him off and then he sits down with the match observer the following day and the match observer says to him right John what was that all that about with Mopay at the end of the game and he said well he called me a blank 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 and you didn't send him off right why not hmm. that you know if you let that kind of thing go the game becomes unpoliceable in the end the other interesting thing the, the conversation between Potter and Morpay I would quite like to be a fly on the wall for as well um just out of interest to see how he handles it I mean Potter, one of his many strengths, I think, is man management and emotional intelligence. And I think he knows that Morpé is one of those players who, whose kind of psychological wiring means he has to play on the edge. And he, he's mm. kind of always treading that tightrope. Um, and I think, with you know, Potter would recognise with that kind of personality, actually, up to a certain point, that get, that's when he's at his best, when he's sort of close enough to that edge, but not over it. <laughs> So how you manage that, I think, is quite an interesting thing. And, and it's interesting that, you know, Potter very, very, very rarely criticises players in public, which, again, I applaud him for. And he didn't really hear either. He just said, Neil has to handle that kind of situation better, which mm. is about as close as I've ever heard him come to making a public <laughs> criticism of a player. Um, so, yeah. it, it, you know, it'd be an interesting pay? conversation as to how he handles it. Has he not? He's been in trouble before, though, hasn't he, Morpay, with the, mm. with the backroom at, at Albion, I think. Yeah, he yeah. Was yeah. dropped for the Tottenham away game, wasn't he? Mm. But interestingly, the stats I read that surprised me was he'd only got one booking all season, which considering that what you're saying, Richard, is right, that he does play on the edge and he is so, gets so wound up, is interesting because well, he's had more, <laughs> to be honest. All or nothing. 
to do with him. Definitely. Yeah. Do you think we'll I miss him know. then? Do you think we'll miss him for the games? Do you think I actually do. I know, yeah. I know he's got a lot yeah. of stick recently and seems to be the scapegoat for a lot of our issues of scoring. But he's still scored more than anyone else, which, you know, kind of like, well, mm. yeah, so he's, he's still our top scorer. And he, he does have to, he doesn't get the credit he deserves for some of the work he does. Like, even mm. that Welbeck goal the other day against Leeds, he was the one who was hassling the defender and made him make mm. the error. To then set it, you know, obviously Welbeck's had a lot to do, and it was his goal, obviously. But Mal- Malpe forced the error in the first place in the poor clearance. So yeah, I, I think we'll miss him. I, I think we miss him as well. He does work hard, and he he does do a lot in terms of the movement, trying to draw players out of position. Yeah, his first touch isn't perfect, but and he should be scoring more of the chances he's had. But I do think he's he's working hard. I think he played quite well in that game um, at the weekend, and. Yeah, I think, and also based on what our alternatives are as well, I think we will miss him. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what, obviously, what Graham does now, whether he's going to go with Zakiri or Connolly or whether um, he just mixes it up in terms of the way we set ourselves up uh, to negate the fact that we haven't got that striker. Danny Welbeck, assuming he's fit, will, mm. will start again next match, obviously. But, um, you maybe know, he'll get a Percy Tower game eventually. Well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a bet with someone about, I've got to pay to charity if he doesn't get, I think it's three goals by the end of the season. So that's yeah. not looking too good. But it's for charity, <laughs> so I don't mind. That's all right. It'll be, <laughs> and it might depend on what happens tonight as well. Because that mm. Burnley, just Fulham Burnley's kicked off about 15 minutes in. And obviously if Burnley yeah. win, we've got more freedom probably in what we do next weekend. Mm-hmm. We could be not experimental, but certainly a little bit more. Try that's to think out, whereas... If we've still got to get that win or or, or even a point, yeah. then we don't really want to kind of risk it. Yeah. Quick word from Kevin, just to round off on the Albion first team mm. matters. What's your take on the season, on Graham, and how things have gone apart from the bad luck with the, this particular season? Yeah. The overall picture. How, I how think the overall it? picture is 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 a is is actually very positive. I mean, it's been frustrating more than anything else, and I'm sort of fed up with everybody telling us what a great team Albion are. I mean, <laughs> Right now, Balmier, and we're not winning. Um, I think we've had a bit of bad luck, but I guess you would say that, wouldn't you? Um, But I think overall, we're definitely moving in the right direction. And I wasn't sure what to make of the decision, you know, after um, uh, Chris Hutton, you know, after that strange day when it was all and then all of a sudden he's gone. (laughs) It's very odd. Um, And but I always sort of felt that, you know, given the way Tony Bloom makes his living that he probably had worked the odds out and it was, it was ultimately, I think the right decision. I mean, it's got us a lot of respect, but that doesn't really help. Does it necessarily? Mm -hmm. But apart from the stress of it, they are, the plan does seem to be working. And again, I'm not the first person to think this. If we get ourselves a top draw striker, I think, and also, um, you know, Solly coming back and um, I'm terrible with names and Tarek Lanty coming back. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think if we'd had both those players, uh, you know, again, I'm no, it's what do I know? But I think if we'd had those guys, I think it might, might've been slightly different because Solly was definitely getting better as the season went on. I thought, um, yeah. and Lamptey just puts the fear of God into everybody. <laughs> and I think that would have made, made the difference, but I think a top, top, you know, striker will be that we've got to get the ball in the back of the net, you know, yeah. and it, it I ha- yeah, I feel, I know I feel pretty positive about next season. I think, uh, um, you know, having gone through the dark days of Sammy Hippier and all that kind of stuff, I think, you know, it's a completely different kettle of fish now. I really do. Yeah. 
Excellent. Just, Hopefully you're right. The Lamptey and March thing made a especially difference at the weekend because I think mm. without Veltman as well, we were really short at the back. One mm. Yeah, he had a calf injury for anyone that doesn't know. You know, before, yeah. another defender on off the bench where we couldn't, we didn't really have anyone mm. else. We had, you know, we had Jahanbach playing wing back who obviously couldn't play full back because he's not defender. And yeah, it was a, I think that, that really struggled. And also, I mean, Burn and Webster have only just come back. So we, we really didn't have that many options at the back when we were holding on to one. No. There is a kind of defence there at least that we, you know, we didn't, we struggled a bit defence numbers. I find it weird that we had so many defenders at the start of the season and we somehow managed to run out of them. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, well, I'm quite. You know, I think overall it's been assuming we survive, which we're going to, aren't we? Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah, I think it's you know overall the style of play has been 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 a joy to watch, Mm. and you know it did get pretty lumpy. You know, for a couple of years there, it was a bit. Oh God, this is boring. Um, and so that's good, but we just yeah, I think he yeah, I think if he gets some more players in and gets the good players fit. I think we're in for a good season next year. I think so. And keeping that up-tempo vibe going, just a few <laughs> other bits of Albion news I'm going to go through. And this is all feel-good stuff. Yeah. We mentioned Morpay's unwanted um, new um, landmark record. Um, a rather better one. We, we mentioned the under-17s on the last episode, triumphing in the first Premier League Cup. We didn't say first at the time. I didn't realise that was the case. But this is, in fact, the inaugural competition um, so we are the one and only winners of that. And we'll go down in the history books as that first team to win it forevermore, which is great. Also, the women's team finished with a 3-1 win at the weekend. 3-1 against Bristol City, who were playing for something. They were fighting for survival in vain, as it turned out. 3-1 win for us. While Reading were thrashed 5-0 at Chelsea. Um, so that meant that we could regain sixth place that we lost by losing to Reading the previous week. That means top half, which is congratulations to them. It's also worth noting that Chelsea, who'd already won the title before that match against Reading, um, romped to the title. They only lost one game all season. Can you guess who it was against? <laughs> yes, it was us. <laughs> Kevin's, Kevin's um, looking rather, mm. yeah, mm, yeah, I wonder, I wonder, mm. yeah. <laughs> Um, so I mean that's brilliant I really like Emma Hayes by the way at Chelsea she's brilliant she's a real straight talker she doesn't pull any punches she's sort of swearing on an interview saying something like oh I can't fool our players I've been absolutely effing brilliant or something like that I had to edit it Um, she just says it like it is I mean it's great she's quite refreshing and and she's a brilliant coach she's done well there's been a other bit of news there's been a few rumours around what's going on with him I think it was the Times had a report saying he'd handed in a transfer request and we were looking for 30 million um, general five on that one is it's complete bullshit. Um, time and time again at Seagulls over London meetings, Paul Camelin has poo-pooed, or he, he said that virtually every single report you hear in the media could be poo-pooed because it's just usually just made up or half-truths or or embellished stories. And I think this is probably the case. I don't think Basuma will be looking for a transfer request because I think we would, we, we're willing to sell him for the right price, price to the right team. Pounds. Exactly. Yeah, not 30 million, which is the other reason I think it's probably not true. Um, there's also been links for White to Dortmund, and I think, was it PSV or PSG? I can't remember which one of those. Uh, I don't know, because I wouldn't have thought PSV would have the money for him. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Uh, so, you know, I don't know how true those rumours are. Um, maybe the massive, massive club that our leads might come back in from, who knows? We <laughs> said um, um, thanks to some um, listeners for their platitudes about our, um, our Cashman interview and some of the other recent interviews we've had. Um, great to hear those. Um, we also had Louis Miles on. Um, Kevin, I don't know if you're familiar with him uh, or his work. He's the guy that did Kaiser 
documentary. Oh, yes. And he's, he's a Brighton fan as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. We, um, did we show that? Yes. I yeah. Did we show that? Yeah, we did. We've got the Alex Ferguson documentary coming. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boo indeed. Yeah. Uh, um, no, I mean, that, that'll probably be good. I'm sure it'll be well, it's, it's supposed. The thing is, it's supposed to finish at half past 10, but I think it might go on until about 10 to 11. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah that's right yeah i think i think you'd have to offer quite a big financial inducement to get russell to watch yeah. that one <laughs> oh, oh that's controversial uh, <laughs> going, going back to your previous uh, about the rumors about you know Bissuma and um yeah. white do you not think that they probably need a slight you know sort of one more more winningest season at brighton before they're really proving themselves do you think? I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, I the fact that we've survived is one thing, but I think you know, maybe you need to get nearer the top ten before they're they're they're, they're really that attractive. I, th- I think Basuma probably is ready, but I think White. I agree. I think he's he's only had one Premier League season, so I think he needs. I don't think he'll go this summer, but I I do think Basuma will. If nothing mm-hmm. else, I need to raise money to buy a striker anyway. Okay. Yeah, I think probably likely i'd love to see him stay and develop further with us certainly um but yeah i think i'd probably agree with peter on that one um final thing on the albion um subject matter and man city um we're not going to be able to go to away games it's been announced so that's arsenal out final game of the season but man city at home we've been given well actually season ticket renewals have have gone in for next year and 92 percent uptake which is great and Mm -hmm. they're working their way through the the uh, the waiting list now, which is eight thousand strong, so that's great. Wow. But in terms of this season, Man City, which you have to buy the ticket because it's the whole thing of this season. Season ticket money has been carried over now for those that have renewed. But you can buy a ticket for Man City. I've done so. I'm going to be in the north for a change instead oh. of my usual West Upper. Um, but uh, seven thousand nine hundred able to attend. I'm not sure on the sales whether we sold out yet. But uh, it is sold uh, out apparently. It, it is, is yeah. sold out. So, yeah. are you, any of you guys going? Oh yeah, I'll be there. Excellent. Sadly, yeah. sadly not. Sadly not. Uh, I'm actually only about four seats away from my normal seat. So, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So you're west lower, west and Peter, west you're, lower, you're, yeah. you're not going, lower. are you, someone? Hmm. I was yeah. in the fourth level, and I kind of assumed I wouldn't get a ticket, so I kind of made other plans in the end, and then obviously I technically could have done, but. Yeah, yeah, it was the first time I've been drawn in level one. All the other ones, I was like level four or five or whatever. This is the first time I was... So I, I kind of felt duty-bound to get a ticket because mm. I've been drawn in level one. Yeah, that's pretty much where I was with it as well, actually. I hadn't, I hadn't been to either of the other two games, Southampton and Sheffield United. So I wanted to actually to do one... reason was to have one experience of the lockdown or mm. post-lockdown games, the reduced capacity just for the experience. Um, also, just on the very small off chance that we happen to be the world's best team, <laughs> you know, to be there in a stadium would be nice. And I, I thought, do, well, it's... Yeah. I actually regret not staying to watch them get the get the trophy. I was so kind of cheesed oh, yeah. off with the whole thing. I went and sat on the coach while all the fireworks were going off at the Amex when they won two years ago. Is it two mm. years ago? Yeah. Yeah, yes, yeah. I actually regret, that was a bit silly of me really i should have should have you know you don't get to see that sort of thing very often do you true yeah. i mean I, I did stay for it i, I think yeah. it was quite good and bruno got the sound off yeah, as well. he seen yeah. that, but, yeah. yeah but yeah so it's yeah, yeah it's a shame. rather than for them I mm-hmm. really it was a, yeah yeah, yeah well, we stayed it was just we when they started putting the thing up and then they started doing all the presentations i went and sat on the coach like a 
very sore loser. <laughs> but <laughs> the thing I'm most upset about with the with the season tickets is this. Um, you know, uh, there are times when my daughter can't go, and I might go with a mate. But that's that seems to be. Uh, they seem to want to put the. I'm sure you've discussed this before, hmm. but they they put the kibosh on that by you know you got to have it on a list and and all you know you can't just take somebody with you or give your ticket to somebody else. I think that's a pretty poor show myself. Do you agree? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I think it it would be nice if it was more flexible. I, I appreciate it's probably it gets complicated and they they're looking to avoid should we say more questionable shenanigans going on i guess it's worth snuffing that out but but it does seem a bit yeah it's it's a bit of a shame i don't know i don't know exactly what their thoughts are going forward with that but yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's going to get harder i know at the moment it's obviously it's necessary with yes covid restrictions knowing knowing that the person is the person but um yeah but still it's a bit of a shame yeah Yeah. okay we're going to you're allowed supposed to do that on paper people did but whether you were supposed to do it in the old days i mean no you weren't supposed to Technically, mm. so I, mean, I don't know how much. Yeah, it's always been the case. I think yeah, it's yeah, just they're enforcing yeah. the kind of the rule they had before by having ID, aren't they? And kind of, but hopefully, yeah. once, once everything, you know, maybe the season after, once things are back to normal, it will go back towards being mm-hmm. less. I mean, the amount of time it's going to take to get into the games when it's a full capacity again, it's going to be so mm. long. I think. Indeed. Well, on that note, we're going to break for the end of the second part, which is the rest of the Albion, the Albion stuff's all done now. Now, I don't know, Richard and Kevin, if you're able to stay on or if you want to or not. Um, yeah, I'm quite happy to stay. Yeah, so I'll Kevin's Kevin for another 15 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah that's probably what we, what we need. So perfect. OK, we'll take another break here then. and We'll be back with the general football news and our summary of the EFL season. That's coming up next. So welcome back to the third and final part of this episode of the podcast. It's Peter and I with Richard Holberton and with our special guest, Kevin Markwick from the Uckfield Picture House. Boys, still sticking in there? All right, everybody? I'm holding on. Yeah, we're we're hanging hanging on for added time here. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, there we are. We are in the Fergie time now. We're in Fergie Um, time. Yay. Indeed. In this third and final part, we're going to switch our attention to general football matters. We'll have a few bits of football news to quickly flash through later on. But first of all, Peter, um, in the main, uh, with our assistance, is going to summarise what happened in the final weekend of the EFL season, staggered over the two days, um, the three divisions. Peter, what happened? It was quite exciting, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it depends on uh, some bits have obviously already been decided. Uh, other bits were still to be decided, and there was something there was something to play for in every division. I think all three divisions had had some point to it. So in the championship, going through it, Norwich and Watford had already confirmed them, their promotion. So two of the three who went down last season have definitely came back up again. But the I think the order of the playoffs was still not certain, and it's going to be I think Brentford against Bournemouth in the playoff semi final, and Swansea against Barnsley. Has anyone got any preferences there? Who they want to come up? Assuming we stay up, Barnsley. <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah, I would, I would, I would quite like to see Brentford come up. Yeah, yeah, being magnanimous about it. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, they play good football. Yeah, they're yeah. in terms of t- top number of points to not be promoted, and we were we're, we're second, and someone else mm. was top. Mm. Um, I can't remember who it was now. We're second with eighty nine, and Brentford had eighty seven, which is a yeah. third, about the third level, third most points without getting promoted. So, yeah, I think I think in a purest form, I'd, I'd say Brentford. They play play a good brand of football. They've really pushed hard and deserved it. They've yeah. stuck with the manager. He's a good manager. Seems a, a good guy. Season. 
yeah, they're, they're very close. They were unlucky, really. They, they probably, I think they were better than Fulham, actually, even though the points would say otherwise. But I thought they, um, they're they thereabouts. I mean, they were very close. But I think Brentford did finish third that season as well. But they're a good bunch of fans. I think it's a well-run club. And they play a good, good brand of football. And it's a fresh face in the Prem. Plus, it's a nice away day to go to if we're all back <laughs> doing away days. So for all those reasons, I'd rather Brentford than anyone else. If not, then for tactical reasons, from an Albion point of view, Barnsley. Yeah. So, although <laughs> he's doing a good job for Larry, uh, what's the name, for Larry and Ishmael, isn't it? He's interesting manager, but it, he would struggle, I think, with his tactics next year. So, yeah, bring it on either way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Bournemouth's probably the least favourable because we always do badly there anyway. And they're probably mm-hmm. the one who's most, most equipped to stay up of the three yeah. or four teams because they've been yeah. quite recently. And if we can't get Tony because Brentford have gone up, then we might be able to get Dan Juma from Bournemouth, who's a pretty good player as well, um, or DK from Barnsley. Uh, anyway, which way around? Take <laughs> take any of them. <laughs> you've got, you've yeah. got your striker lined up from any of them, basically. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. yeah. So the real interest, obviously, in the Championship, as everyone will know, is at the bottom, where technically four teams were playing for three relegation places, but it was only actually three teams in reality because Wickham had to win by about 13 goals and hope other results went for them. So while they did win 3-0 at Middlesbrough, um, which obviously was a very good result for them, it was not quite what they needed. So um, if you discount them, Rotherham, who had to win and hope Derby didn't beat Sheffield Wednesday were winning for about 80, 80 minutes of their match until an 88-minute equaliser from Cardiff ensured they were relegated, which meant it came down to a straight shootout between Derby and Sheffield Wednesday to see who would actually go down. Two clubs who are, regard themselves as massive and being pretty big. Wayne Rooney's his Derby against the, the, literally the massive team, Sheffield Wednesday. Both of them <laughs> the, the, the year that we didn't go up under, under Hewton. Mm. And uh, sadly, Sheffield Wednesday were relegated. Um, which hmm. better feel sorry for their magnanimous and uh, universally, you know, nice fans, and uh, and say it's a real shame because I don't know about you guys, but I'm gutted about it. Yeah, I can, I'm really I can tell. I can tell how yeah. heart wrenching yeah, that is for you, Peter. It's hit I me almost hard. Have... <laughs> are they a big I've club? Almost... I mean, really, are they a big club? I had a look um, earlier; they haven't been in the Premier League very much at all. Ah, oh, but you're not inside the heads of the fans. They they are enormous in their own right. in their own life, in their own uh, legends. They, they um, spent yeah, a lot I, of time in Division Two when yeah. there was Division One, and you know they they they've been out of it more than they've been in it. I think. Yeah. They, well, maybe in eighteen forty-seven they were a big club. Yeah. They've got a lot in common with Leeds. So I have equal affection for both of them. Yeah. Um, obnoxious fans a lot of them um the the playoff semi-final first leg at hillsborough i went up to i had some guy came up to me going on lucky pal before the game Mm. i thought oh just you know it was something a bit it was slightly tongue-in-cheek but it was mainly brash and irritating and especially when we were then literally very unlucky just just within an hour of that uh, comment i'd like to see him and just say unlucky pal back to him actually yeah um, today it'll be <laughs> a friend, as a joke I met after the game, who was basically yeah. telling us how terrible we were. We were lucky to only be two down, ignoring the fact that we had four players injured, played half an <laughs> hour with ten men, and had like little worst possible luck. You know, it's yeah. like we're already without Stevens and uh, Dunk as well. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, bit, I'm slightly, just slightly disappointed that um, Wickham are getting relegated because um, I like, I'm quite a big fan of Henning yeah. Bain, the, um, the German comedy, comedy ambassador, and that was that was his first job when he came to the UK was marketing manager for Wickham. 
Oh, really? Yeah, tells tell some quite good stories about it. Very funny. Oh, uh, I, think, I think you could have added to his repertoire if they'd actually won 31 nil or whatever they needed to stay up, because yeah. sure, you could get some amusing stories out of that one. I think if they actually hit the drawing, they couldn't do it anyway. But, oh, really? Uh, okay. I ruined it. <laughs> they'd actually hit some form, hadn't they, Wickham? They yeah. Were, they yeah. were the form tide going into the, the, the end of the season, but just too late. Yeah, they took. I mean, they took it technically to the final week, but yeah, the penultimate in reality. Mm. But um, they were, yeah, there were people listening at home who obviously will know the score by now already. Anyway, Burnley have literally just scored against Fulham, so I wonder. Oh dear, yeah. what a pity! Uh, Never as mind. As it stands, yeah. we are safe. <laughs> as it stands, but we had that yesterday <laughs> as well. So yeah, don't get carried away. It still doesn't yeah. feel quite right to be supporting Burnley, albeit from a distance. No. Does it? Well, I think well I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually happy for Fulham to win this one. I, I'm happy for Fulham to win it because I, I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to win the, all the other games. Uh, I know it will make us slightly more nervous, but I really well, don't I, like Burnley. Yeah, and the idea of actually just making them just that bit nervous <laughs> does fill me with pleasure as much as Sheffield well, Wednesday getting relegated does. They've got the stats again now. About, Fulham have got one point from conceding first in 25 games since yeah. January 2019. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's not that's in a Premier League. Yeah, but also you could say if we're going with stats, Burnley have never won a Premier League game at Craven Cottage so far, and they've also oh. I think Fulham have won eight out of nine games against them in general. So they're you know the overall history is okay. I know bogey teams, it's but it works for us with Leeds. Yeah, it didn't quite but... work with us with Wolves this time, did it? Yeah, Wolves <laughs> have never beaten Brighton and Hove Albion until yeah. yesterday. So <laughs> exactly, yeah. So it swings it's around about broken. So moving yeah. on with the so yesterday while we were playing mm. the, the League One season finished um, again yeah. Peterborough had already been promoted with Hull being champions Peterborough had had an amazing game the week before against Lincoln where they came from three down to draw three all with a ninety six minute penalty to ensure their promotion and uh, push Lincoln into the playoffs I think again there was some there was some um, and at the bottom four there was nothing much going on it all already seen Swindon, Bristol Rovers, Northampton and Rochdale go down. So the, the real interest was in the playoffs. Blackpool, Sunderland and Lincoln were all guaranteed a playoff place. And Portsmouth sat in there at home with an Accrington home game. Uh, an Ac- home game against Accrington. Where they, if they won, they were guaranteed a playoff place. While Oxford and Charlton both had to win and hope. So really sadly again, because Portsmouth were lovely chaps as well, Portsmouth screwed up and managed to lose at home to Accrington 1-0, which again, yeah, well, really sad. Yeah. I watched that game. I recorded Stanley. it. Ooh, it a day. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I recorded that. I watched it back. And um, yeah, it was great to watch that. I quite like Danny, the Cowley brothers, actually, in general. But uh, yeah, disappointing to see Portsmouth miss out. Oh, dear. League mm. one again, boys. Um, by the way, that you know that Peterborough game where it's 3-0 back to 3 all. Do you see the penalty? Um, I put the words in quote marks. It's the worst penalty decision I've ever seen in my life. He basically steps in front of the guy swivels still doesn't make contact with the defender and falls over there's no contact and they and he was looking for it the defender just stood still and it was given against him so there's there's a lot of competition for that award isn't there Worst penalty yeah. decision ever. Yeah. I mean, that's quite a crowded <laughs> field. One of Southampton years ago when we when the, literally yeah. the foul was about a yard outside the area and uh, yeah. um, and uh, was it Tarico got sent off for Malvin off the Peter Walton. <laughs> Somehow now makes as being a referee on on uh, on BT Sport. I think that was the yeah. one where, where Poyet made the famous comment. He said, "Some penalties you can look at them afterwards and say, yeah, 'Yeah, I've seen them given.' This one, I've never <laughs> seen that kind of thing given <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until was, until, was, until now. End, I think I could see that was miles outside the penalty area, and, and I think the linesman was that side. So quite what he was watching. Mm. Yeah, indeed. 
But, so um, yeah, I mean that 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 championship um, relegation battle, by the way, I, I absolutely love that. It was so dramatic. I just want to get that in. I, I really enjoy the way those things unfold. But sorry, mm-hmm. going back to League One, yeah, it was, a, it was a terrible half first half until injury time when Wednesday scored, and then the second half mm-hmm. was really exciting. Funny enough, because normally in these sorts of games it's really nervy and really, and in the end mm-hmm. it was like must have been about six goals in the space of like half an hour or something because I think the last 10-15 minutes nothing much happened or not mm-hmm. nothing no it wasn't that much going on anyway um yeah so Oxford so, so sadly Charleston just missed out on goal difference Oxford made the playoffs in league one um mm-hmm. so again mm-hmm. we've got now the playoffs in league one are uh Oxford Sunderland Blackpool and Lincoln so it's Blackpool against Oxford and Sunderland against Lincoln I think anyone mm-hmm. but Sunderland I probably want to get promoted there just yeah. I'd like to see Oxford come up actually I really would yeah yeah, get some they've action been, going for them. They've been they've been knocking on the door for a long time. Yeah, I think they got yeah, some they're, they're, after you, didn't they? And kind of mm, done it a couple of times. Yeah, I actually quite playing. like to go up actually after they've from where they've come from. It would be a brilliant achievement to go from the conference uh, or national league to the. Um, yeah, yeah, I think Lincoln and Oxford. Of course, Appleton was at Oxford as a manager before um, at one point. But both of those teams play really good football, and I think they're, they're decent clubs. They're well run. I like Cole Robinson. Uh, Appleton I, I, seems fine as well. So either of those clubs, it'd be nice to see them come up. I think it'd be it'd be interesting. Blackpool, be they've been Blackpool through the mill, haven't they? That's the, the main thing. Hmm. It's always yeah. good to see big clubs. That, you know, Sunderland, Sheffield Wednesday in a championship next season together. Portsmouth, you know, very yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, exactly. Two, which finished on Saturday. Um, Cheltenham were already promoted, but then secured the title by beating Harrogate, I think it was. Um, and so it was def- left the two spots between Cambridge, Bolton and Morecambe. And actually, it was pretty boring in the end. Both, it, was, it all kind of was quite comfortable. Both uh, Cambridge and Bolton won uh, quite comprehensively. So um, although Morecambe won, they have never have really were in that much of a chance. So, Yeah, yeah. So interesting stuff. Um, I think well, just to mention on League One, I think Wimbledon are really... Another good club. Really glad they stayed up. They've done it four years in a row now, just surviving by a fairly small margin. And in their first season with the new stadium from, I think, a third of the way through, I think, or halfway through, um, it would have been a shame, albeit there was no one in the ground anyway, but it still would have been a shame if they'd gone down. Um, League two, yeah. So yeah equally, I think that's been... Along with Wimbledon, Burson or another one who, who went, I think Hasselbank came back and they went from being yeah. at one point, to, you know, reasonably, not quite mid-table, but certainly, um, you know, bottom half, sort of... You know, bottom, uh, top of the bottom third sort of thing. So I did it really well as well from there. Hmm. Anything else, Peter, on the um, uh, shenanigans in the league? Two now, um, Morecambe against Tranmere, Newport against Forest Green. To be honest, I probably would quite like Tranmere to win they, to win that because they basically got screwed over last year in the whole lockdown hmm. thing and kind of lost out on points per game. So I feel they're a bit unlucky with that. So it, it, they deserve to go back up again, probably. Yeah. Kevin, do you enjoy the playoffs? Do you, as a neutral, when we're not involved, that is, because we're pretty yeah, terrible when we are. There, okay, yeah. There's some some great moments, isn't there, that you remember? Um, you know, um, oh, good you know, I'm so bad with names. He's only an Albion legend. That's all. The goal he scored um, for Fulham, wasn't it? Um, Bobby Zamora. Bobby Zamora's guy. I mean, how can you forget that? <laughs> Forgotten Bobby Zamora's. Guy. I, well, I didn't. I don't think. I didn't. Look, you'll get to my age one day, mate. I'm going to be on quiz shows for you know. My wife is sitting there, and we go. You know, um, thingy. It was married to what's his name. You know, it just happens. All that. That's the. You know. So they are exciting. They're definitely exciting. Is it two nil now? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. great news. I, I, I um, completely disagree with Russ. I don't. I, I want Burnley to win and us to be safe. I have no. If we're seventeenth, yeah, I go along with that. I but just you know, want to get safe and to guarantee that we're not going down. Fair enough. I just want it all. Funnily I want enough, the guys my, to win. My, I, know, um, I know Burnley are, are not a team you particularly want to win regularly, but I don't care. After after the number of times we screwed up getting ourselves potentially safe, I just want us to. Yeah, and I think it's Chris Woods to score the goal as well, which is uh, nice. Okay. The other. Um, Funny enough, on my sorry, on my Facebook memories page this morning popped up my ticket for the um, for the Palace Albion playoff back in. Uh, <laughs> oh, back in what year was it? Twenty thirteen, was, wasn't it? Twenty thirteen. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was an extraordinary. I mean, as playoffs go, I don't. Yeah. I think the more they they give out clackers and flags, the heavy the more mm. the heavier we're going to yeah. lose. It seems there was that Bristol me. City game trying to win the league title, wasn't yeah. there? And, <laughs> Yeah, that went. That was the other time they did it. I yeah, it's it. never worked I for us, does it? Absolutely hate it. But I don't think I've ever felt the air get sucked out of a stadium so quickly as that evening when. Um, see, yeah, I forgot his a, name as well. Zaha. Zaha scored, <laughs> and then he scored yeah. again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, even will... the news on the way home about you know. Um, poos in the dressing room and all sorts. <laughs> it was like, did the wheels ever come off that? That that season or what? It's, quite it's something else, wasn't quite it? Quite extraordinary. Mm. But yeah, no, I'm. I, I I think it's it 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 would still be better if the third place club went up. In in fairness, but I guess it's all about mm. money and excitement. Is it? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And the the one so. note of the the end of the League Two talk we had is that both, from what I understand, both Southend and Grimsby are trying to challenge their relegation from League Two on the grounds that there's no relegation out of the National League, which they would drop into. So they think they say it's unfair that they should have relegation from that from League Two as well. I don't see that winning. No. I don't think no. they've got any grounds to win that. But it's an it's an interesting site. So yeah. are they you trying to make? Are they trying to make yeah, League Two a Super League? Is that what they're doing? <laughs> <laughs> the English Super League Two. Yeah, the English two Super in League Two. I would, I would imagine the Golden Hello has got less zeros on it than <laughs> yeah. the one we've been hearing around. Ten pounds. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that. You can't do that because it would just cascade up. Every division would start doing it. Well, exactly. So if they were to win, what happens then? Do the teams in League One then challenge? And oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You end up with a ridiculously skewed league system. So, yeah, I don't see yeah. them I think it's just sour well, great. But, um, yeah. Well, and, I, don't, I don't know if you've got any more, Peter, but I was going to mention something about Barnsley, actually. I had some stats I saw on Sky Sports News today about Barnsley. Very interesting the way they play um, under him, under Ishmael. Um, Passes into the box, their first were 1,380 for the, for the division um, since he came in, which was, I think it wasn't at the beginning of the season, was it? It was partway through. Uh, one, their first for passes in the final third in general, 3,373. Um, passes accurate in the opposition half, their 23rd with 51% ratio. But then they're also first for tackles, 653. First for possession, one in the final third, 199. And first for possession, one in general, 2,344. So you can see if really interesting stats there. They basically get it forward regardless of accuracy. And then they are very good at winning it with a high press. Um, I think it's, um, it's rubbed a lot of people up the wrong way, apparently, in the division. And um, that's why I think they'll be very... In- I'm, I'm interested to see them in the playoffs because I've only seen them a couple of times a season, including against Chelsea. But if they did manage to get up, hmm, it'd be interesting to see how we did against a team like that. We'll probably lose both games because that's what mm. we do against teams like that, isn't it? But some um, teams like Brighton. Yes. 
So it's sort of direct, but not direct mm. in the Burnley sense, I think. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, any other bits on the um, the final season of the EFL? Peter? No, just, uh, well, the National League's still got a few weeks left, but it's quite interesting at the top. I think Hartlepool has dropped off a bit, so it's probably between yeah. us and United and Torquay now to uh, yeah. replace, um, replace Grimsby and South End. Yeah. And then obviously Excellent. the long-winded playoff system. And luckily for Barnet, my my old local team, there are no relegation spots in that league. So. Yeah, they've had a dreadful season. Yeah, just looks as though Crawley had a decent season. Yeah, they, they were never really followed really that very closely. But yeah, yeah. Well, they sort of level they, of money. They did beat Leeds, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did. Didn't Le- they? Leeds had a good time in Sussex, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they did. They love coming here. Good to see, yeah. I yeah, think, I, I think Jen... the weekend before we won away, to, we, we won at Ellen Road, didn't they? I think it was. Yeah, it was. Mm. It was within yeah. like seven or eight days, yeah. 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 I don't think he featured much, but James Tiddy got, had a habit of coming on and scoring injury time goals in, I think, something like three games in a row at one point in early springtime. Uh, he wasn't even a regular player. He wasn't even in the squad for the last game. I drew too as well now, I think, possibly. Yeah, they have, yeah. Yeah, he's, he, he also wasn't in the squad against uh, Bolton at the weekend, but yeah. Um, shall I run through a few bits of football news to round off then, guys? And then we can, we can release you all from this uh, torment. News. Um, <laughs> have you got a jingle? Football news. I, 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 I should have one, shouldn't I? Or just, yeah, just an echoey overkill. I've got voice. a thing on, uh, my, on my, my mixer here. Oh, oh, there we go. Maybe do that after every bit. Or right. this one. First, <laughs> first... That's, that's, that's oh. Brighton and Hove Albion's season right there. <laughs> this is perfect. So I'm going to have to get one of those. They are completely huh. perfect. It saves so many words, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the music tells a thousand yeah. stories all at once. Huh. Um, yeah, so, so quickly on the news, and feel free to punctuate each, each bit here as we go, Kevin. Italian Football Federation president Gabriele Gravina has warned Juve that they'll be expelled from Serie A next season um, if they persist in continuing with the Dirty Dozen League. Um, Dirty uh, they're basically, dozen. Yeah, they've said the rules are clear. If Juve are still part of the Super League when it enters next season, it can't participate in Serie A. I would be sorry for the fans, but rules are rules and they apply to everyone. I hope this whole this holdout ends soon. Isn't, isn't it the time yeah. League now rather than the Dirty Dozen yeah. League? Something like that, yeah. It's supposed to be applause, <laughs> um, but it didn't come over very well, did it? No, that's all right. <laughs> uh, well, actually, the news comes that they were beaten three 0 at home by Milan, and they've dropped to fifth in the table, which is two places outside the Champions League now, which is quite amusing. My boys Atalanta, who I've just tagged on to just for the sake of it to make it interesting, are second in the table, so that's all good. They're having a great um, season again, aren't they? I mean, if they had they've had the last hmm. two or three years, they've been top four from nowhere. I don't know where the you know I don't think they've spent lots of money, right? but they've obviously, I think the managers just done well and. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, on to, on to news item number two. UK government and UEFA are in discussions over venue change possibility for the Champions League final, which is due to be played in May on May the 29th in Istanbul. Of course, both the finalists are uh, English and there's a proposal to bring it to Wembley and maybe give Istanbul a proper full stadium rather than the 20,000 they get at the moment in a future year, one or two years down the line. Um UEFA apparently are also exploring a third option of Portugal. Um, next item, a further torrent of abuse on social media and racist, a racist anti-owner banner by Birmingham fans um, in Blackburn. That was a bit bizarre. Don't know what happened there, but they apparently they're, I'm not, not sure what the banner said, but apparently that's called a, caused a bit of a fuss. Um, the well, we were talking about the EFL seasons. La Liga and Ligue 1 have been pretty interesting. Spain and France 
Um, there's a four-way battle in La Liga, although Sevilla's failure to beat Real, thanks to a late equaliser by Real, means they're probably out of it now. But there's three ways still between them, Barca and um, and Atleti, who all, were basically all playing each other for the weekend, which was brilliant. Both games ended in a draw. Atleti still in pole position by two points, but the head her head's against them, so they can't afford to go level on points, as that is how things are designed, decided there. Um, they've had a bad I'm, I'm really well recently. They've, they've had a, they've struggled recently yeah. from yeah, well they've started. Points. Yeah, I'm really hoping PSG will screw up in in France because you always want the um, underdogs mm. to win there, don't you? And I think it's Lyon, is it or Lille? Lille, Lille I think the top Lille. at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, um, West Brom obviously already relegated, and Fulham well on their way to following at the moment. Still two 0 down to Burnley, um, and there's one of the bit of sad news I picked up. There's a guy called James Dean, um, but not that one. <laughs> it's, it's a film week, so we had to. It, yeah, but it's yeah. He's unfortunately he's died. I think he was found dead. Um, this guy, um, he was a prolific scorer in non-league. He played for Chorley, Fylde, um, I think Stalybridge Celtic, quite a few other clubs down there. And he's got a pretty good ratio, virtually one in two games. Um, he's been found dead. It's not suspicious in any way, but um, I don't know if it was uh, natural causes or what it was. I think he's, he's past retirement age, but he was. Um, I don't think he was very old overall. I think he was about 40-ish, if correct me if I'm wrong on that one. But yeah, a bit of sad news on that, mm. that score as well. Um, mm. But that's, that's it really on the football news this week. I don't know if you've got any other sound effects there you wanted to punctuate the air I with there. Really. That was too it. sad. That was just too sad. <laughs> yeah, it was actually. I should, I should have had that one in first. You should have, should have I, stuck it in earlier. Can't end on a note in, like that. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like a Brighton game, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It was going so well. <laughs> oh dear, never mind. Never mind. Well, final notices. I'd say as usual, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Brighton Rock Pod. You can email us Brighton Rock Podcast at gmail dot com. Um, Kevin, with your picture house. In Arkfield, are there any contact details or, or ways we can uh, you look can you up? You can find us yeah, on the web, www.picturehouseuckfield.com. I mean, do you need to say www anymore? I don't know you do. Probably not. Picturehouseuckfield.com. That sort of dates me, doesn't it? You know, Probably. HTTP I, I colon forward slash <laughs> forward slash www.picturehouseuckfield.com where uh, well, everything you need to know about us is on there. And I'm available for, you know, weddings and (laughs) bar mitzvahs and whatever you like, really. And takeaway pizzas. (laughs) And takeaway pizzas. Give us a call. I'll pop round with a pizza. (laughs) Excellent. There was was one pizza I delivered and it had on the door, a Crystal Palace fan lives here. I wasn't quite sure what to do with the pizza at that point. (laughs) Post it through the letterbox in instalments, surely. (laughs) Had the Crystal Palace fan put that up or had the, had someone else put up to warn you? No, no, they were a Palace fan who put it on the door, next to the door. Crystal Palace fan lives here. Maybe they thought they needed to put that in an area that's closer to Brighton than, than, than Crystal Palace. Yeah. I would like to deliver them a pizza that's stodgy and uninteresting. Yeah. <laughs> stodgy <laughs> and uninteresting. Ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. You should have gone we... back, put your Albion top on, then come back with a now colder pizza and then yeah. deliver that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, you know, it's one of those. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> as you can see, I, I put on my Albion top. For yeah, the third well part. done. I, I felt I needed to, to make you feel thought, more at home, Kevin. I, I thought it would be de rigueur to wear your top. But yes, not. I might have to do that forever more now. Yeah, I, now I, you mentioned it. I spent a whole ten minutes trying to work out which which one. I think this is the first Premier League season one, isn't it? I think. I, I think know. so. Yeah, I think I think it is. Yeah, I like the black one actually. I like that black one. I'm going to put hmm. that on if I'm on one again. 
<laughs> All right, we'll, we'll invite you on. I'm going to put my black black one on as well. Yeah, I like that one. That's actually quite stylish, yeah. isn't it? That one, the Definitely. old wake it, the black away yeah. kit. And speaking of inviting you on, we might I might have to get you on my Film Fives podcast, which oh I started doing at the beginning of the year. Yeah, it's a monthly one. Okay. You can probably guess what it's about. It's just um, top five films, me and a friend, counting oh, cool. down fives to one, um, just on Absolutely. any subject, themes, genres, actors, um, directors, etc. We might have to get you fun. on for one of those in yeah, the future. No, that'd yeah, that'd be good. And yeah. if anyone wants to look up, we are on Twitter there, at Film Fives One the number one um if you want to search us out we're also on facebook that brings us to the end of this epic episode again peter who's now sunk into the dark in his room um <laughs> uh, thanks as always to you peter thanks also to richard it's been a pleasure thanks thanks for asking me back yeah always enjoy the chat always great and you've got a you've got a haircut quite similar to danny cashman who we had on last week um, so that's good to see oh, as well that's, yeah. no, that's not intentional i can assure you at least <laughs> not on my not on my part anyway you'd have to ask him whether it's <laughs> also actually while we said while you said mentioned danny cashman he was nominated for premier league two player of the month apparently today oh was he excellent nice Brilliant. End, if he was to win that well, that was surely his appearance on the podcast was a nice end to his. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, no, joking aside, that's fair play to him. Well done um, on that. That's great. And Kevin, it's been a pleasure to have you on for your debut. I no, hope you've enjoyed it, sir. I have enjoyed myself immensely. Thank you for asking me on. It's been great. Thank you. Brilliant. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've really enjoyed um, all, the, all of the background there with the film posters <laughs> and to hear your stories about about Arkfield. As I said, yes. we're checking out guys with the info that's been quoted uh, if you want to look them up or check them out in general. And I certainly will be doing so. So on that note, uh, we bid you farewell in the usual way, Peter, don't we, by saying stand or fall. Up the Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.